Hello and welcome to A History of the United States, episode 175, Daniel Boone. Last time out, we closed off the Whiskey Rebellion, one of the key events of the Washington administration. Today, we're going to zoom out slightly and look at one of the key trends behind the Whiskey Rebellion, which would have a dramatic effect on the 19th century. I'm of course talking about the Western Migration. Something I hope has already become apparent in the narrative, is that when the American Revolution ended, the United States underwent a focus shift. Previously, the colonies had been in Britain's orbit, with America very much part of the Atlantic world. Our conversations were all about Britain and France, sometimes Spain and the Netherlands, and their various colonies in the Caribbean. Since the end of the Revolution, Americans turned their attention to the West. I'm not going to go back and count, but I think I've probably said the word Mississippi more times in the past 15 episodes than I did in the 160 before that. This wasn't a complete and dramatic change. Maritime links would remain. Europe, of course, has featured in our narrative. It's impossible to ignore the French Revolution. But, particularly from 1815, it will lose its status as the key determinant in American decision-making. Instead, America will look to the West. It can be difficult for a historian to take the right balance when telling the story, due to the legend and romance that the Wild West conjures. You want to be accurate when telling the story, but the legend of the Wild West is part of the story. It has a lot of contradictions. And this is why, to tell this bit of the story, I want to focus on one of the earliest American folk heroes, Daniel Boone. He was one of the most well-known men of his age, even making it into Lord Byron's epic Don Juan, which has the stanza, Of the great names which in our faces stare, the General Boone, backwoodsman of Kentucky, was happiest amongst mortals anywhere, for killing nothing but a bear or buck, he enjoyed the lonely, vigorous, harmless days of his old age in wilds of deepest maze. If you don't know the story of Daniel Boone, sit back and enjoy. It's a good one. Daniel was born in 1734 on the frontier of Pennsylvania. He grew up in a log cabin learning to fall, but he was more comfortable with the long rifle as he learned to hunt. He was fascinated by the Shawnees, and he learned from them the abilities of woodcraft. He had grown up a Quaker, but his father had a disagreement with the establishment. Two of his children had married non-Quakers. Like the Puritans before them, and thousands upon thousands would do afterwards, the Boones decided to go west to new land. They moved along the Great Valley of the Appalachians, following the land, which is how he ended up in the Yadkin River in North Carolina. This was how, in 1755, at the age of 20, Boone ended up setting off in the army of General Braddock to attack Fort Duquesne on the Ohio Forks, along with another young American, George Washington. The campaign, you'll recall, was a complete disaster. It ended up with the Battle of Monongahela, in which General Braddock was killed. Boone didn't take part in the fighting. He was a teamster, meaning that he was a wagon driver. 
Luckily, he managed to escape. The battle was a key event in American history, helping shape the path towards independence, but it was also a key event in the life of Daniel Boone. It was his first time travelling beyond the mountains, and he fell in love with the country. He returned to North Carolina, where he married his neighbour, Rebecca Bryan, in 1756. They settled in a cabin on his father's farm, but Boone's heart already belonged to the West. In 1758, he went west again and was involved in the expedition that finally captured Fort Duquesne, founding Fort Pitt in its place, soon to be Pittsburgh. He also fought in North Carolina in the Cherokee War, which dominated the southern colonies in the late 1750s and early 1760s. We discussed this at length in episode 119. Boone spent the early 1760s trying to restore order after the war. There were bandits and thieves and also corrupt government officials. This was the situation that saw the origins of the regulator movement, but Boone wouldn't get too involved. He kept travelling off into the woods, periodically abandoning his family while the debts mounted. There's a story that Daniel once went on an extended visit, and returned to find his wife had a daughter. Rebecca then told Daniel that she assumed he had died, and that the child was actually his brother's. Daniel didn't blame Rebecca, and instead raised the child as his own. Most historians agree that this story is an invention invented to show off his character. It is true that Daniel and Rebecca had a large family. They would ultimately have ten children between them, as well as raising eight others of relatives. By the mid-1760s, Boone was once again looking to move. He travelled to Florida, which had recently come under British control, but he preferred the West. And so in 1767, he finally set out for Kentucky. The trip was not a success. Eastern Kentucky is a difficult land. Its main resource was coal, but Boone didn't know this, nor could he have done anything with it if he had. The country was not good for farming consisting mainly of forested uplands. It was, though, the expedition where Boone killed his first buffalo. In 1769, Boone set off again, this time with more luck. He managed to find the Cumberland Gap. This is a valley about 10 miles long, which cuts through the Cumberland Mountains in the Appalachians, and on the other side of the gap lies the plains of Kentucky, already colonised by Bluegrass, a British native. Boone would say that he instantly fell in love with this land. Now, Boone did not discover the Cumberland Gap. It was an old route used by the Indians and by European colonists. However, Boone would be the first to use it to its full potential. This would be the route that thousands would follow in his stead into the American interior. The road would later be called Boone's Trace, or the Wilderness Road. Just on the other side of the gap is still the Daniel Boone National Park. Boone would spend years exploring the country, becoming a real expert, and he had numerous adventures of dubious reliability. One of the most famous involves him being trapped by Indians on the edge of a cliff, jumping off the edge, and surviving by landing 60 feet below in the tops of a maple tree. I must admit I don't believe it, but it's a good story. There certainly were real conflicts. 
1773, Daniel's son James was killed during an attack. In 1775, Richard Henderson, a land speculator who Boone had been working with for a decade, managed to secure peace with the Cherokees. Allegedly, after the peace, the chief, Oconosadoa, would take Boone by the hand and warn him, Brother, we have given you a fine land, but I believe you will have much trouble in settling it. Boone later said that these words would haunt him over the next 20 years. But in 1775, Boone was still optimistic, and he established the settlement of Boonesboro, and he brought his family with him. It was not the first settlement in the area. Harrodstown had already been settled by colonisers from Ohio, but Boone was crucial to the story. Now, think back to the bigger narrative. We're in 1775, which means the outbreak of the American Revolution. One of the factors at play here was Western migration. After the Seven Years' War, the British had established a frontier with the Indians that the British would not cross, and the actions of Boone and those like him were what was causing unrest. The British wanted the colonies to get serious about clamping down on this migration, so when war broke out, the British sided with the Indians and encouraged them to attack the colonies, and they would have had much greater success had it not been for Boone. The Shawnees and Kentuckians fought many battles. Boone was at one point captured and adopted by the Shawnee chief Blackfish. He was given the name Big Turtle and spent months there. He shaved his head, painted his face, and spent months only wearing a loincloth before he was able to escape. He found the demoralised citizens of Boonesborough and told them of an imminent attack and prepared the defences. The Indians were beaten back, but it was close. Without actions like this, the Indians would have been able to target the richer backcountry of Virginia and the Carolinas, but the Kentuckians found all this quite suspicious, and Boone was court-martialed for treachery, though later found to be innocent. The incident was a humiliation for Boone, and it acts as the perfect example of the paradoxes I want to show off by telling you this story. Boone loved the wild. He respected the Shawnees and other tribes. He was happiest when moving through the woods, on the hunt, rifle in hand, on the watch for any dangers. He adored the wilderness and wanted it for Americans. He knew the only way that Americans would be able to displace the Indians was through mass migration, and he did much to encourage and bring that migration about. And, as he watched the land fill up, it destroyed the very wild that he loved. This was why the other Kentuckians were suspicious of him. He'd picked up so many traits from the Native Americans that he no longer quite fitted in was also a terrible businessman and made no money from the process he'd brought about. Boone had been given large tracts of land by Kentucky, made a colonel in the militia, he had a county named after him, and he served as a legislator. And then it was all taken away when Kentucky joined the Union in 1792. Boone clung on for a few years, but by 1799, the year in which he'd turned 65, he decided he'd finally had enough. It was time, once again, to go west. He left as a debtor, vowing never to return, and set off with a group downriver, 
reaching Spanish Louisiana. The Spanish were desperate to encourage migrants to the region, and so Boone and his group were given in 9,000 acres. He was given judicial and military authority. This made Boone one of the founders of Missouri. Boone was reportedly a fair ruler, but once again, things would come crashing down for him. In 1804, the Louisiana Purchase made the territory American. Boone's deal with the Spanish government had been an oral agreement, and once again he lost everything. He petitioned Congress for restitution of his lands, which they eventually gave in 1814. He then sold it to pay off his debt from Kentucky. Boone continued to live adventurously, hunting and trapping where he could. Reportedly, in 1810, at the age of 76, he went on a six-month expedition up the Missouri River, which took them as far as what would become North Dakota, a 2,000-mile round trip. He finally died, happy, in 1820, at the age of 85. Boone was a larger-than-life figure. As I said at the start of the episode, Byron featured him in Don Juan, while much of Boone would end up in Fenimore Cooper's fictional hero, Natty Bumbo. Boone's legacy has shifted and adapted throughout the years. He's been remembered as a fighter of Indians and as the heir of Columbus, the pathfinder who opened the West and founded Kentucky and Missouri. But, as is always the case, Reality is often much more complicated than a simple story, and I hope I've been able to illuminate a few of these for you. I particularly want to highlight three things. 1. This was a messy process. The westward migration was not organised. It was thousands of separate journeys overlapping. Boone was not the first person to reach these areas. He was one of the first, and the most famous, but these were collections of people making their own decisions, not a centralised effort by the federal government, or, indeed, any one of the states. Two, Boone did not get rich. He was able to identify good land and spot opportunities, but Boone was unable to make any money from these adventures, and often ended up in debt. He'd gone searching for a better life for him and his family, and it's romantic to talk about that, and the pioneering spirit is definitely part of the American story. But while Boone became a legend, he did not find his fortune, and for most of his life did not find security. Neither would many of the less famous masses who followed in his footsteps. And finally, Boone never did quite find what he was looking for. He wanted the wilderness, but he wanted it to be American, and those two things were incompatible. So he kept getting frustrated, and his solution was that maybe, if he just went further west, things would finally be better. This would drive so much of the 19th century. While people were unhappy in their new lives, they still thought that maybe, if they went just further west, things would be better. But, as Boone would find out when he lost his land in Missouri, this was often not the case. And that's where we're going to leave things for this week. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.